There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. <coughs> and this is Unfeatured Articles. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Unfeatured Articles, browsing the internet irresponsibly. Uh, my name is Curtis Lang and I'm here with my delightful co-host, Mr. James Kehoe. Hi! And Miss Hannah Flannery. Hi! <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the show where every week we search for the weirdest, wackiest, most wonderful Wikipedia articles, bring them to the table, have some witty banter, mm-hmm. and uh, some say the articles that aren't featured but they're, they're unfeatured. Some say that. <laughs> I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they wouldn't. How are we this week, gang? Oh, so good. 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 Yeah? Just feeling the, the vibes. I've got a cat under me currently. Yeah? Uh, which is always the sign of a good uh, podcast episode. Just regular Tuesday night for James. A cat under <laughs> my bum. Under his bum. <laughs> under my bum. Under his bum. Yeah. How are you, Hannah? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Yeah? How, How many cats are under your bum? Zero. <laughs> okay. Yes, right. and. Yes, and Hannah. <laughs> no, Jesus well, that's Christ. the correct answer. Yeah, well. This I was is trying a to funny, something funny to say and I had nothing. Hannah and I have spent the last uh, two weeks moving in together. That's right. Yeah, it's insane. We're moving in together with... Uh, I'm still on, living on the floor at the moment with <laughs> Sophie Jackson and Sandra Sullivan. Yeah. Yo, and uh, our address One of whom is... we might see next week. Who's oh, it going to be? we'll be Mickey, meeting Xander Sullivan next week, but that's another time for another you time. You ruined the get... Oh, the surprise. The surprise. Oh, no. What we say? <laughs> no, I'm done, say, dude. I'm done, dude. Say something. The no, 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 floor no, no. is the floor yours, is yours. The floor is yours. Oh, the floor I, is yours I, and you live on the floor. Yeah, that's yes, what I was yeah. saying. I do live on the floor because I floor have no furniture. Yeah. Literally is yours. Um, anyway, so that's been fun. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and there's been a lot of drinking and a lot of playing Spider-Man on the PS4. Ooh. Fun. It's a good game. Um, it's a great game. Anyway, so shall we get down to it, gang? Yes, let's play our opening game. Uh, yes. A little oh. opening game uh, called uh, uh, Catchphrase of the Week. Um, We're still workshopping it, but we think we found the the model yeah, that's going to work from yeah. here on in. Um, and uh, you know, the, the catchphrase, of course, for this week is "You never forget the name of your first pet." Blank. Yep. So uh, we're going to go around. Each of us is going to find a random article and complete uh, the sentence. Uh, mine, of course, is um, you know, you never forget the name of your first pet. Villanova dos Martirios. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was mine. It was a, pa- it was a parrot. It was a Brazilian parrot. Yeah, oh, good. It just flew in to my house, and we adopted him. Uh, what is? Uh, go, go for it. Uh, alrighty, you never forget the name of your first uh, pet. Here we go. What was the name of my first pet? Uh, 1872 United States presidential election in Tennessee. Oh, <laughs> cute. Yeah, adorable name. Adorable. And what uh, was? It was, um, it's from Shakespeare. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very <laughs> good. What kind of, what kind of uh, pet was that? Uh, mole rat. A mole rat. I am actually the inspiration for that dude in Kim Possible. Ron Stoppable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That dude in that Kim dude. Possible. Come on. Disgrace the <laughs> good name of Ron Stoppable. Do you live action film with that? Yeah. They are. Yeah. I saw the trailer. Oh, well, I saw Disney the- Disney Channel original Yeah, movie. the footage from it. You're kidding. It looks wow. um, bad. Bad. Real bad. Yeah. yeah. It's for the young kiddos, but it, it does- is. 
But well, it's, it genu- pains like, me. Genuinely bad. Yeah. Um, you never forget the Sweet. name of your first pet. Uh, Lance Ito, uh, retired American judge best known for the for presiding over the O.J. Simpson murder case. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name for a pet. He's a, a good great dog. Name for a pet. I love He's him. A good He's dog. a very smart boy. Get a load of that dog. <laughs> oh my gosh. Should we um just back to Kim Possible? Should we please watch Kim Possible? Yeah, absolutely. That would be. I would actually sounds like the best evening. Yeah. of all time. It's a great show. All right, well, that's been Unfeatured Articles, ladies and gentlemen. We've yeah. got an appointment with, uh, with our good friends Kim and Ron. Yes, but, yes, yes. Uh, no, let's get serious here because uh-huh. this is a serious family podcast. It is. Fucking take us away, for the, for the kiddies. <laughs> I don't think I've actually ever said the C word on this podcast before. No, I don't think so. Oh, well. Uh, if Just there's... to go ahead, take us away, cunt. Wow. Yep. All right. Leaning he's into he's the skit. Down yeah, he really has. Uh, Hannah, do you have an article for us? I do. All right. Um, so as Curtis mentioned moments ago, uh, we've played a lot of Spider-Man over yeah. the last week. Ooh, so yep. imagine my delight <laughs> after hitting the uh, random article button on Wikipedia a couple of times mm. when I was presented with list of Spider-Man villains. Yeah. So I have selected from this list uh-huh. a gentleman by the name of the kangaroo. Beautiful. Ooh, yep. Kangaroo is the name of two fictional characters, supervillains appearing in American comic books pu- published by Marvel Comics. Both are noted for their leaping ability. <laughs> uh, the first one was introduced in 1970 and the second in 1997. Mm-hmm. So first one, Frank Oliver, born in Sydney, Australia. As a young man, he studied kangaroos in his native Australia. Oliver lived, ate, and traveled with the kangaroos, developing a leaping ability (laughs) that rivaled the animals he studied. Gosh, they have such an accurate portrayal of the Australian people. I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, thanks, Stan. Seeing an opportunity to make money, Oliver decided to parlay his newfound leaping abilities into a boxing career. His superior speed and agility allowed him to best his opponents time and again. Sure. During Not one my match. first instinct of like, I've got this superior mm. jumping ability, time to box away <laughs> my foes. During one match, Oliver jump kicked one opponent in the face, severely injuring his opponent, facing criminal charges. He fled to the States. Oh. So he has a um, fight with Spider-Man. Uh-huh. And he loses. <laughs> uh, Oliver was later approached with by Dr. Jonas Harrow, who wished to enhance the kangaroo to a superhero human level. Uh-huh. Which cracks me up because before he was just a dude that can jump. He's just a guy who can jump. <laughs> He's just real good at jumping. Yeah. After a seven-hour procedure, Oliver found himself gifted with air, air jet-enhanced leaping and punching ability. Oh, dang. Harrow wanted to use the kangaroo as muscle, but the newly empowered kangaroo refused and left to pursue Spider-Man. Wait, okay. So before he became this hydro-powered or this, like, (laughs) jet-powered guy, why did he have beef with Spider-Man, right? Like, he He, was just this guy. He was trying to rob rob a bank, I think, and Spider-Man was like, what's up? Because that's what Spider-Man does. He's a hero. Um, So eventually he actually gets, like... Reduced to a pile of ashes under oh, no. exposure to radiation from like an right, like a isotope, Oof. like an atomic <laughs> isotope. I'm sorry, I've just found a picture of him. James, look at this. Oh, He's that's a. Good boy. a <laughs> we're putting them in the show notes. Beefy boy. He's a beef boy. Um, he was cloned later, of course. Um, by Arnim Zola. Mm-hmm. And was shot. Oh, he's um was, in. Sorry, in if you you remember Armin Zola from the movies because he's yeah. uh the sidekick of the red um 
the Red Skull from ah, Captain America, and he's the yep, guy who Zola. gets taken by Shield, and then he's he becomes the computer in the Winter Soldier, yes, and then he's like, yeah. "You're too late, Captain." <laughs> That you're too late, Captain. Oh, and we've got him here tonight. <laughs> in the room. My name is Zola. I, <laughs> I am Zoella. You need some water there? Yeah. You can't because you're a computer. <coughs> Checkmate. So Hello. this clone was uh, felled by a single shot from oh. Deadpool. Oh, no. Then Fuck. in 1997s, we have the return of mm. the kangaroo. Brian Hibbs is Only. the second person to take on the identity of the kangaroo. The mantle. He was first mentioned as an active operat- uh, operative of the Corporation, a crime organization opposed by a variety of superheroes, including Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Captain America, Hulk, and others. Hibbs, although not from Australia, idolized the original <laughs> kangaroo, going so far to spend years studying the exploits of Frank Oliver and began imitating his speech and style. <laughs> so wait, so his speech? So he put on an Australian accent? Yes. Great. <laughs> yes. Amazing. G'day, Cobber. Hello, I'm from Brisbane. <laughs> I'm from the, Melbourne. The, Melbourne. I'm from Melbourne. Yeah. Okay, this is my impression of an American doing an Australian accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, g'day, May. Mm. How are you going again? Yeah. Yeah? That was good. Really good. Yeah. Here's my impression of an American doing an Australian doing an American. Okay. Um, Get... Good day, mate. And it's just, it's a robot. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, okay so here's my impression of James yep. doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good day. No, okay, keep going. Yeah, no, good. It's the circle. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, the second kangaroo ends up in New York City. Mm-hmm. While bounding through New York and shouting for people to get out of his way, Hibbs was knocked out by a single punch from Spider-Man who swung away, literally laughing ab- about the situation again. Not a superhero, no. just a dude, just a guy. Um, so he eventually gets he eventually gets some um armor that enhances his strength and yes. again leaping ability. But this boyo has mm-hmm. uh, a semi prehensile tail and a pouch level cannon. Um, <laughs> after recovering from a blow by the superhero, the kangaroo then unveiled his pouch cannon. <laughs> Spider Man hastily webbed the cannon shut, preventing it from firing. <laughs> Hibbs nonetheless fired the pouch cannon oh, without no. first considering the consequences <laughs> of his actions. <laughs> the pouch cannon exploded in his crotch region, <laughs> rendering him unconscious while Spider-Man webbed him upside down from a streetlight. Oh, poor guy. Um, so then he um, he does show up again. He is in a um, what they call a Spider-Man revenge squad, which mm-hmm. then Spider-Man calls... The Legion of Losers, nice. Which it uh, features uh, other super supervillains, uh, the Grizzly, the Spot, and Gibbon. Ah, um, Gibbon, the all first Gibbon rate villains. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Gibbon and the Grizzly are themed, as you would imagine. The Spot is a guy that can like tell, like he has spots all over his body, and each of them are like a portal to another dimension. Whoa! Oh, that's pretty sick. That's actually sick. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, they all have a fight and then, um, the kangaroo sort of just like pops up every now and then, um, in like the background of various Marvel shorts and like, he's just like, they're like, Hey, there's what's his face. And then he immediately dies every time. (laughs) Like most of the end of the article is just him saying he was seen in this, um, this run of the comics. 
and then dies in the background. <laughs> but he's alive in this run of the comics. He then dies in the background. <laughs> he's the that's Kenny from South Park that's of so the funny. Marvel Universe. So that's our good, good boy. Amazing. Boys, the kangaroo. Representing Australia. Yeah. A true, <laughs> uh, finally, a true representation yeah. of us. Love as that. A, <laughs> as a race. Just, I love that they showed up in New York with no powers. And you're just yeah. like, I'm a super villain now. Bounce, bounce, uh-huh. bitch. Bounce, bounce, bitch. Bet you can't jump this high. All right. Well, from America to Canada. Yes. And I'm going to talk about um, Vince Coleman. Okay. It was a train dispatcher. All right. So Patrick Vincent Coleman was a train dispatcher for the Canadian government railways uh, who was killed in the Halifax explosion. Oh, no. But not before he sent a message to an incoming passenger train to stop out of range of the explosion. Now, the Halifax explosion was the largest man-made explosion at the time, releasing the equivalent energy of 2.9 kilotons of TNT. Woof. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Right? Massive. Um, this happened in uh, 1917. Right? So, um, today, he, um, v- Patrick Vincent Coleman uh, is remembered as one of the heroic figures from the disaster. So, what happened was, on the yep. morning of the 6th of December, 1917, 45-year-old Coleman uh, uh, were, was working in the Richmond station, surrounded by the railway yards near the foot of Richmond Street, only a few hundred metres from Pier 6. From there, trains were controlled on the main line from Halifax. The line ran along the western shore of Bedford Basin, uh, located a mile to the north of Richmond Station. Coleman was an experienced dispatcher who had been uh, commended a few years earlier for helping to stop a runaway train. Mm, cool. So he's already, so he's already, already, big, already big, a hero. Big boy pants yeah. amongst the... Yeah. Um, approximately 8.45 a.m., there was a collision between SS Montblanc, a French munitions ship carrying a cargo of high explosive, and a Norwegian vessel, SS Imo. Immediately thereafter, Montblanc caught fire and the crew abandoned ship. The vessel drifted from near the mid-channel over to Pier 6 on the slack tide in a matter of minutes and beached itself. Mm-hmm. Um, also, 2,000 people were killed in this explosion. Oof. Oh, Yeah, so it was massive. Big. Um, a sailor believed to have been uh, sent ashore by a naval officer warned Common and Lovett of her cargo of high explosives. The overnight express train number 10 from St. John, New Brunswick, carrying nearly 300 passengers, was due to arrive at 8.55 a.m. Before leaving the office, uh, Lovett called CGR terminal agent Henry Dustin to warn him of a burning ship laden with explosives that was headed for the pier. After sending the message, uh, Coleman uh, was said to have left the CGR depot. However, the dispatcher returned to the telegraph office and continued sending warning messages along the railway line as far as Truro to stop trains inbound for Halifax. Mm. An accepted version of Coleman, uh, Coleman's Morse code message reads as follows. Hold up the train. Ammunition ship a fire in harbour making for Pier 6 and will explode. Guess this will be my last message. Goodbye, boys. Oh, goodbye, boys. Yeah. Yikes. He wrote that all in Morse code? Yeah. Wow. The telegraph warnings were apparently heated as the number 10 passenger train was stopped just before the explosion occurred. So he saved 300 people's lives. Yeah, wow. The train was halted at Rockingham Station on the western shore of Bedford Basin from the downtown terminal. After the explosion, Coleman's message, followed by other messages later sent by railway officials who made their way to Rockingham, passed word of the disaster to the rest of Canada. The railway quickly mobilised aid, sending a dozen release trains with fire and medical help from towns in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick on the day of the disaster, followed two days later by help from other parts of Canada uh, and the United States, most notably Boston. Mm. Even though uh, Lovett had left the station, both he and Coleman were killed in the explosion. Mm. 
Although historians debate whether Coleman's initial message actually contributed to stopping the number 10 train, there is some documented evidence to indicate that it did. Number 10's conductor, uh, Giuseppe, reported to Moncton Transcript that although running on time, his train was held for 15 minutes by the dispatcher at Rockingham. Um, so Coleman is interred at Mount Oliver uh, Cemetery in Halifax and the intersection of Mumford Road with, uh, yeah, he was survived by his wife, Frances, who lived until 1970. Mm. Whoa. This happened in 1917. Yeah. All right. She's lived 63 years. <laughs> A street is named after him in Clayton Park. Uh... Colin was ducted into the Canadian Railway Hall of Fame, big honour, uh, 2004. Yeah. Halifax Harbour, Harbour Ferry was named Vincent Coleman. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, but to give you a little backstory on like how fucking massive this explosion was. Mm. Um, yeah, approximately 2,000 people were killed by the blast debris, fires or collapsed buildings, and an estimated 9,000 others were injured. Well, um, the blast was the largest man-made explosion at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nearly all structures within an 800-metre half a mile radius, including the community of Richmond, were obliterated. Uh, pressure waves snapped oh. trees, bent iron rails, demolished buildings, grounded vessels, uh, and washed ashore by the ensuing tsunami. Oh, no. Oof. Yeah. And scattered fragments of uh, Mont Blanc for kilometres. Across the harbour in Doubtmouth, there was also widespread damage. A tsunami created by the blast wiped out the community of uh, Mimpmac... Uh, sorry, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but they are they're, uh, a group of First Nation um, people in Canada. Mm. Uh, Mick... Mi'kmaq, M-I apostrophe K-M-A-Q. Sure. First Nation people who lived uh, in the Turf's Cove area for generations. Mm. So, like, they've been living there for fucking, yeah, for centuries and just obliterated. Yikes. Um, relief efforts began almost immediately and hospitals quickly became full. Rescue trains began arriving the day of the explosion from across Nova Scotia. Construction of temporary shelters to house the many people left homeless uh, began soon after the disaster. Um, and there, are, there's a bunch of um, memorials and stuff around, but yeah, it was a massive, massive, um, yeah, explosion. Sounds and um, but yeah, he saved a but shit he ton saved of people's lives, a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of people. Sorry, the goodbye boys. That gets me. Yeah, that oh. that's <sighs> pretty hectic. <sighs> that's crazy. Good on him. Oh man, fantastic. Dang, I'm sad now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I didn't expect that one to get as sad as I thought. It was. Yeah, I just I was like, oh fuck you, what a, what a cool guy. But um, yeah, that one was sad. And it, like the fact that he'd already saved a bunch of people in that like thing, and then before, he came back, and then he came back. Yeah, it's a cool guy. I want to talk about lighten the mood. Uh yes, cool. Well, a bit. Yeah, kind of. I'm going to talk about some Satanism with oh god, Love it. back masking. Didn't you talk about Satanism in the second episode of last year? I've ooh no, second episode was um uh Charles Devant, wasn't it? Oh, and Rat King. And Rat King. Yeah. Um Yandaban, sorry. Yandaban. Yeah. Yandaban. We're sorry, Yandaban. Speed to cruise control. We're still sorry. We're still so sorry. Um backmasking is a recording technique in which a sound or message is recorded backward onto a track that is meant to be played forward. Oh, okay, Ooh. so yep. classic like the Beatles backwards. Yeah, tells yep. you to worship the devil. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, back masking is a deliberate process, whereas a message found through phonetic reversal may be unintentional. Back masking was popularized by the Beatles, who used backward instrumentation uh, on their 1966 album Revolver. Artists have since used back masking for artistic, comedic, and satiric effect on both analog and digital recordings. So, going down to controversies. Yeah, <laughs> uh, involved with uh, this particular technique. The Beatles Beautiful. were involved in the spread of backmasking both as a recording technique and as the centre of a controversy. The latter has its roots in an event in 1969 when there was a radio DJ who received a phone call from a student at Eastern Michigan University 
The caller asked Gibb about a rumour that Paul McCartney had died uh, and claimed that the Beatles song Revolution 9 contained a backwards message confirming the rumour. So Gibb, on the radio, plays this song backwards on the turntable and hears the phrase, turn me on, dead man, turn me on, dead man. And Gibb, he starts telling his listeners uh, about what he called the great cover-up. He started to, like, feed into this, like, whole (laughs) thing that he started believing in. And to the original clue uh, were added various others, including the alleged backmasked message, Paul is a dead man, miss him, miss him, miss him, in the song I'm So Tired. Uh, The Paul is dead rumor popularized the idea of backmasking in popular music which eventually went on uh, in the late 1970s during the rise of the Christian right in the United States. These fundamentalist Christian groups, they began to claim that backmasked messages could bypass the conscious mind and reach the unconscious mind where they would be unknowingly accepted by the listener. In 1961, Christian DJ Michael Mills began stating on Christian radio program that Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven contained hidden satanic messages that were heard by the unconscious. So, um, listen in, all right. I want you to burn all of your Led Zeppelin uh, <laughs> albums because they're feeding you uh, the work of the devil. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Just what so if I clear. like the devil's work? Mm, well, then, <gasps> you're basic. Ah, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Good. Satanists are basic, uh, as we all know. Um, it's true, they are kind of mm-hmm. basic. Uh, essentially, uh, <laughs> in early 1982, the Trinity Broadcasting Network's Paul Crouch hosted a show with self-described neuroscientist William Yarrell. Fuck. Uh, so <laughs> self-described. That's really self-described cool. neuroscientist. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 um, no one else would describe me as, especially not universities. But um, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I'm a self-described dentist. So yeah. uh, do you want to check up anytime soon? Yeah, like, dude, yeah, actually, I'll just get you in. Good. Cool. Who argued that rock stars were cooperating with the Church of Satan to place hidden subliminal messages on records. Also in 1982, fundamentalist Christian pastor Gary Greenwald held public lectures on dangers of backmasking along with at least one mass record smashing. During the same year, 30 North Carolina teen- teenagers led by their pastor claimed that singers had been possessed by Satan who used their voices to create backwards messages and held a, re- a record burning at their church. Um, allegations of demonic backmasking were also made by social psychologists, parents, and critics of rock music, as well as the Parents Music Resource Center formed in 1985, which accused Led Zeppelin of using backmasking to promote Satan. Um, what sort of spurred a lot of this was that in the 1973 film, The Exorcist, yeah. uh, a tape of noises from the possessed victim was discovered to contain a message when the tape was played backwards. So yeah. in the fiction of it, right. that was the thing, that thing. This scene might have inspired subsequent copycat musical effects. Although the St. Patanic uh, backmasking controversy mainly involved classic rock songs whose authors denied any intent to promote Satanism, backmasking has been used by heavy metal bands to deliberately insert messages into their lyrics or imagery. Uh, bands have util- utilized satanic imagery for commercial reasons. Mm. So you've got uh, thrash metal band Slayer. They had a album called Hell Awaits that had this that actually did have a backmasked voice chanting "Join us" over and over again. However, Slayer vocalist Tom Araya states that the band's use of satanic imagery was solely for effect. Yeah. So like they're not actually doing it to promote Satanism. They just yeah. like the idea of Satanism. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, cradle of filth. <laughs> and another. thereby want to promote it. Like, yeah, mm, well. Yeah, no, no. Nice aesthetic there. <laughs> nice aesthetic. Uh, cradle of filth, another band that was employed that has employed satanic imagery, released a song entitled Dinner at Deviant's Palace, 
consisting almost entirely of unusual sounds and a reverse reading of the Lord's Prayer. Um, there is a very cool one. Um, there is this, uh, the band Soundgarden, they had their album Ultra Mega OK. Uh, when played backwards, the songs 665 and 667 reveal a song uh, about Santa Claus. That's so, really good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Keeping it nice and jolly. Bad. Yeah, it's jolly. Sorry to bring down the mood again, but was is Soundgarden uh, is the band that the lead singer, he passed away last year, didn't he? I believe yeah. so. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But we'll get it. No, I think it was. Yeah. No, yeah, I think I remember reading a report about that. Mm. I don't know why I brought that up. No, yeah, it's important. Props History. to Soundgarden. It's props to Soundgarden. Uh, Marilyn Manson, he used this technique. Yeah. For example, in the beginning of the song Tourniquet, when played backwards, his voice is heard saying, this is my lowest point of vulnerability, uh, as explained in his book, uh, his autobiography, that kind of explains why he put that in there. Um, yes, it's also obviously used just for aesthetic reasons, um, just for like cool sounding things. People have used it for humorous and parody messages. Um, there is a song uh, called "They're Coming to Take Me Away," haha, and haha, um, <laughs> haha, by a band called uh, Napoleon the Fourteenth. They're the B side of that single. Is ah ah yeah what m it got what which is they're coming to take me away haha backwards uh written backwards and the song is just the song backwards uh so beautiful <laughs> yeah the forward version reached number three in the U S charts and number four in the U K I would guess that the backwards version did not reach <laughs> such a claim love that um, backtracking is a big old. Big old, big old time. It's sure big old it industry. It's an industry of itself. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, even the Beatles, like, did. Oh yeah, so they the Beatles song "Free as a Bird" was originally composed and recorded in 1977 as a home demo by John Lennon. In 1995, a studio version of the recording, incorporating contributions from Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Ringo Starr, they released it as a new single, uh, and they backmaster clip of Lennon saying. Turned out nice again at the very end of the song, which is kind of nice. Pink Pink Floyd, they backdropped, backmasked a bunch of of things into empty spaces. Uh, They said, congratulations, you have just discovered the secret message. Please send your answer to Old Pink, care of the funny farm, child font. Um, And just a bunch of weird random messages. Uh, Yeah, and uh, there's a whole bunch of of examples. a further use of backmasking is to censor words and phrases deemed inappropriate on radio edits and uh, clean album releases. So, for example, the the Fugies, uh clean version of the song of the album, the score contains various backmask profanities. Thus, when playing the album backwards, the censored words are clearly audible among the backward gibberish. <laughs> when used with the word shit, uh, this type of backmasking results in a sound similar to ish. As a result, ish became a e- euphemism for shit. So oh, there you go. Started that. Uh, Britney Spears, in her 2011 song, Till the World Ends, Britney says, uh, if you want this good shit, however, on the official version, shit is reversed, creating the ish sound. Therefore, the official version says, if you want this good ish. Backmasking is also used to censor the word joint in the video for You Don't Know How It Feels by Tom Petty, resulting in the line, let's roll another snooch. <laughs> yes. And that's all I've got on backmasking. Um, there's a whole bunch on like subliminal persuasion and all that kind of stuff. If big you, fan, big fan of pers- subliminal persuasion. Look the into Simpsons that. Simpsons episode. Yes. What oh. someone think of Yvonne, the children? Yvonne Etniage. Um, What's Yvonne Etniage mean? Join the navy. 
Oh, it's like yeah. Bart's in a boy band yeah. and Lisa discovers if you play like the section backwards that says join the Navy over and over again. Yeah. And yeah. then all the kids are like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, that is about it. That's all of our nice. three articles. Absolutely. And so thus, we need to choose our winner. The voting begins. Winner, winner. Chicken, chicken dinner. dinner. I'm going to vote uh, for the kangaroo. I too am going to vote for the kangaroo. I was going to vote for backmasking. For backmasking? Yeah. yeah. Well, nice. Well, that's kangaroo a kangaroo. Has won. Hooray! A, a truly accurate. Do I win anything? Uh, you Our win love and the respect. Episode. Uh, I didn't have that before. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We are on uh, social media platforms such as. Instagram, we are where we are unfeatured articles. We're on uh, Facebook, where we're also unfeatured articles, and we're on Twitter, which is unfeatured pod. Yes. Uh, our theme song is Purgatorian Friends" uh, by Kevin McLeod. What a man! What a man! What a mighty good man! What a mighty good man! Indeed. And uh, do we have anything else we need to plug? Go check out all the other podcasts on That's Not Count Productions. They've yeah. got some really good ones on there. Check uh, out Cutscene Saga. Check out Second Take. Yes. And then they fucked yes. all these good ones. I, li- I like to promote and then they fucked because you can't say the title of it on many of the other podcasts. Exactly. On the yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, they have a brand new URL now, which is much uh, easier and shorter. It's just that's not canon.com.au. Which is oh, just .com, even. It's That's even shorter than I expected. So, yeah, you can find all our, all the podcasts and all the episodes there, or as James said, you can find them on Spotify, iTunes, yes. uh, Stitcher, Absolutely. Google Play. Till next um, time, uh, I'm James Keir. I'm Curtis Lang. I'm Hannah Flannery. Until next time, browse responsibly. Okay, so you find yourself in a rustic tavern. It's lit by a fire and a half and a grumpy looking bartender. And uh, I will to crime. What? I will to crime. Oh, crime. I'm proficient. I assist. Sweet. I will to crime with advantage. Okay, all right. What crime exactly are you committing? Uh, to steal the hearts of everyone listening to us right now. No, I take it back. <laughs> Laura Disorder is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast where the worst kind of people team up to rid the world of slightly more worse people. It's a whole thing. We're not the worst. Follow us on iTunes or on your podcatcher of choice. Find us online at that'snotcanonproductions.com or find Laura Disorder on Facebook and Twitter. And now, on with the game. A That's Not Canon Productions podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.